Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Ether is the perfect drug for Las Vegas. In this town, they love a drunk. Fresh meat. Come on, buddy. So they put us through the turnstiles and turned us loose inside. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dose of Ether. This week, um, Jesse is joining me as co-host. Say what up, Jesse. What's up, everybody? Yeah, and um, this week we are meeting with Dr. Michael uh, Wixner and his son and co-founder, George. Hi, guys. And they are from Pocketful of Quarters, and um, this has been a really interesting discussion the past couple of days um, because recently Pocketful of Quarters has um, re- become the second ERC. Sorry, they have become the second project on Ethereum to receive an SEC letter of. Um, non-action, which is important, and they also became the first ERC-20 token as well to receive this letter from the SEC. But we're jumping ahead of ourselves first. um, Michael, would you like to, um, or George, if you would like to, introduce us to a pocket full of quarters, tell us what you do, and uh, then we'll dive into the details from there. Sure. So Pocketful of Quarters is um, a a universal cryptocurrency for game. So it's one coin you can use across all the games on our platform. And in addition, we have um, a a casual esports called Scrim to Win, where you can uh, uh, bet quarters with your friends in games. Um, At Pocketful of Quarters, uh, my dad is the CEO and I'm the chairman, so I'm mostly a visionary for players, and um, I just make sure that we're following the true vision as it was my idea, and it's uh, we're solving my problem. Hi, I'm uh, uh, Mike Weekser. Um, uh, so you know the the story is, is really interesting. I was doing um, early stage tech investing uh, and starting to think about my thesis for a second fund and exploring cryptocurrency, something that I'd been sort of casually looking at from a technology perspective since 2010-11 um, and talking to everybody, including George, about how it worked. And he immediately said his biggest problem was losing coins and games. He didn't want to play and anymore. And so we started uh, a side project. I took him to a meetup and it kind of went viral. And uh, from then, I've just been uh, trying to hold everything together and and, uh, and 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 make sure we can harness all the, the tailwind we've gotten from uh, from the positive response to George's idea. Yeah, this is um, very interesting. I remember hearing your pitch initially, um, and I thought that the idea of having um, a single cross-platform currency um, has obvious merit because essentially you need to be remunerated for your uh for your in-game activity and every game is made like a silo so it's really difficult to go from one game to another and have any kind of reputation rank uh, achievements that translate um and 
what is essentially the problem that quarters is trying to solve is it specifically to make the individual game currencies within each of these games translatable between games or is it essentially a way to um exit a game and be able to take whatever accumulated value you've uh stored up with you it's closer to the second option. So the problem with quarters is that uh, the problem with games is that uh, I felt that whenever you quit a game, you lost all of your coins, hard work, time, effort, etc. So uh, quarters is is pretty much a place um, where you can pick up um, your progress in one game, and when you get bored, and move it on to the next game in a sense. Interesting. So. Having a cross-game uh, currency, is this currency used for in-game digital assets specifically or exclusively? Um, are these quarters used like a slot machine in order to pay for individual plays? Like I'm playing Street Fighter and I put in a quarter in the machine so I get three lives? Or is it um, essentially an extension of existing game mechanics, um, but you're essentially combining the different financial incentives of these different games into one uniform transferable currency. So the uh, the use for quarters is any, anything that um, a premium currency is used in a game currently could be used for quarters. So upgrades, you could, as you said, with slots, you can buy plays, um, you can buy cosmetic items, and as I uh, mentioned earlier, you can use it for esports as long as. Um, but the one thing is that you can't sell the quarters for financial value. Um, so quarters cannot be transferred back into Ethereum. Interesting. So this is like a major element of the SEC ruling, right? Essentially, because the quarters themselves are non-transferable, from the player's perspective, whatever money that they put into the system is effectively one way. You transfer it into an in-game currency, um, but then that in-game currency can never make its way back in the form of Ethereum or anything, correct? Yes, yes. So it's very similar to how most... uh traditional games work so let's say um you're playing a game like fortnite and you buy v bucks those v bucks will never go back into dollars um the 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 uses for quarters are the same as traditional in-game currencies as the you can never buy you can never sell your stuff for you can never sell your coins back for money when you spend them you spend them so, Jesse, do you want to jump in here? Um, specifically, you showed me some articles um, related to specific games. And yeah. I'm thinking yeah. of um, Counter-Strike. Um, and you can go on because you know this uh, much better than I can. <laughs> sure, sure. So back when I was in high school, which uh, I guess was, was quite a while ago, um, I would, there still was there still were games like uh, Counter Strike and Dota um, back when I was playing. In fact, uh, StarCraft Two is still around, and so is Counter Strike uh, Global Offensive. Um, yeah. One of the things I talked to Lucian about um, with 
regards to quarters is how how do you guys plan on like for example counter strike specifically if i have if i have a hundred dollars in quarters um if i buy an in-game knife worth a hundred dollars what's to stop me from selling that in-game knife for real u.s dollars so um the way that the virtual uh, currency laws work in the United States is that everything that if you want to uh, get the exemptions for being um, a game currency and game items, you need to have in your terms of service uh, rules that say that the items are not for resale and you need to take reasonable efforts to prevent there from being resale. So you might remember Linden dollars, that you know, they really had to pursue and, and search on eBay and try and shut down third-party marketplaces that exist. Yeah. Um, for, for us, we've got compliance built in the blockchain. So players cannot, if, if you're a player and I'm a player, I cannot transfer quarters to you. The, 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 the transaction will not go through. The, you can only send your quarters to approved developers. So that prevents players from breaking the rules. And then we sign um, contractual agreements with developers to make sure that they're complying with the rules. And so, you know, in this example, uh, it would depend on the, you know, if, if they wanted to accept quarters in the game, they would have to be complying with the U.S. laws about um, virtual currencies and, and, and games. And so if they're, if they're incur you know, and, and there, there are ways that they could be doing that, but it would, it would depend on the rules that they have in place make sure that there's no money laundering and there's no, you know, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing untoward happening, um, you know, on the marketplace. Our vision for how this works in the future is that there might be marketplaces, but you might be able to sell your Vorpal Sword back for quarters and maybe at a big discount. And that's okay. Because as long as it like stays in the closed loop system for entertainment, you know, the, the, the developers can, can, can give back value in the form of entertainment value in the form of quarters, but if they have a cash market or if you're a blockchain game company and you've got a non-fungible collectible token, you know, that's, that's probably going to be, uh, uh, right now we don't, I don't think that's going to work in terms of like integrating with quarters. That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say, something along the lines of you could convert back to quarters so that it goes back to a utility token versus loss of value into the fiat system. Because one of the problems that I, I encountered was uh, the ability for a lot of, when I was a teenager, when I was 17, I would see a lot of uh, kids that were 15, 14, 16, um, using Counter-Strike keys specifically as a medium for transfer value out of the game into Bitcoin or PayPal. Um, and similar games, um, specifically for Dota 2, they use keys as well. Uh, for RuneScape, they use Bonds system. Um, so every yeah. game kind of has its like stable in-game token that kind of stabilizes the economy overall and then the game devs have the risk of you know um of having to manage that system and deal with the uh real world trading um financial problems that are associated yeah, that's with right. that. those keys, those keys are, are totally illegal and that's a big illegal market that sprung up and you know i suppose it's not the, the government has a lot of problems i'm not sure how actively they're they're pursuing it but it certainly makes a difference, you know, when it comes to trying to get financial services providers, you know, getting credit card providers, you know, that kind of stuff. Like this no action letter is is huge because because it 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 signals and shows that we're doing everything in a compliant fashion. And just as you're pointing out, it provides an alternative 
to, to meet the demand that players have to get in and out of their uh, virtual goods in a legal way. Okay. And the other aspect that I found really interesting on uh, the letter itself was the fact that you've mentioned multiple times the uh, the steps that you've taken to ensure that um, the quarters tokens themselves have a depreciating or diminishing value. And that's like seems to be a very important crux to your argument. The fact that there is no limited supply, like for example, in Bitcoin, the fact that um, being able to essentially have game developers uh, print um, quarters, for example, for promotional reasons and um, allowing influencers essentially to make quarters as well through their promotion activities. Um, these are all factors that essentially contribute to the actual relative diminishing value of the quarters token itself in a way as to ensure that people don't accumulate and hold them as investment value themselves. So how important was this aspect of the diminishing value of uh, the ability to diminish the value of quarters relatively um, uh, based on either your um, actions or the actions of the game developers? How important was that in the crux of the actual legal agreement in the end? So um, let me just clarify that. It's an essential point. So let me let me be like very clear about it. It's a, from a player's perspective, it's a stable value. You can always buy four and a quarters for a dollar. And the fact that, um, that there's no way to have price appreciation is a major consideration as well as all of the marketing as something to use to play games as opposed to, you know, uh, all of the sort of ICO lingo that doesn't apply at all for, for quarters. So, so that was, th th those were, those were critical components. Um, there's a couple other critical components we can come back to it, but I want to clarify about the point about diminishing. It's not so much that the quarters diminish, it's a prepaid escrow. So the money that players pay, goes into a smart contract that then becomes available for developers to exchange uh, and get the, and get financial value out of it. Um, so, uh, the, the, um, but there's a haircut because um, there's a retail margin and then there's the 15% that goes to investors. And so about 58 cents on the dollar that a player plays gets paid to developers. And the fact that there's, you know, a haircut between what players pay and what developers get is not important to the SEC, but it's important to money laundering issues. And the reason why it's important for money laundering is that uh, it's an incredibly inefficient way, even if people wanted to, to like set up, a, say, a player account, buy quarters, set up a sham game, send quarters. Nobody wants to lose um, 42 cents for every dollar that they're that they're laundering. And so that haircut incredibly diminishes the risk of illegal activity. Of course, we've got other safeguards, contractual arrangements, you know, the ability to audit transactions on the blockchain. So, you know, this is, you know, this is set up to be very unattractive to, to money launderers. So I saw that the 15% was uh, to pay back the investors in quarters, which um, you've essentially uh, proposed as Q2. Um, is this set up as a security token or is this simply a security um, represented by the investors in quarters? 
It's a security token. It's a security token. So um, I saw that you fundraised and successfully with uh, Draper and Associates. Have you already done a security token offering or uh, at what stage of fundraising are you currently in? So we've done um, two financings. We did uh, a Regulation D accredited investor uh, uh, token sale last summer. Then last winter, we did a crowdfunding campaign on Republic. So we've got hundreds of investors that have invested in the uh, Q2 token, uh, betting on the um, spread of the quarter's ecosystem. Uh, and, uh, you, know, we're, you know, in the future, you know, we hope it'll be, you know, a popular uh, uh, security token as the security token exchanges get developed. Hmm. Interesting. I actually haven't heard of someone using the Republic crowdfunding um, platform before. Is this a platform that was essentially established by the Jobs Act um, to permit equity crowdfunding online? Absolutely. That's exactly right. And they have a special program for tokens. And so we're among a small handful of security tokens that have um, launched on, on Republic. You know, it's exciting. They're part of like the AngelList family, so they also have CoinList and AngelList, and so you know, it's a, it's a really and, and and for us, it was what as you were talking to it, it got us to get on the uh, Meet the Drapers TV show, uh, which uh, George won. Nice, yeah, it's actually a really interesting story. I think you're the first project that I've heard of that actually made use of um, the crowdfunding. Uh, legalization in order to do a security token offering. I actually find that really interesting as well. Um, yeah, we're excited about the hybrid model. Um, we're hoping to get some of the benefits that the sort of, it, you know, we think of as illegal first ICOs, you know, the illegal security offerings. We can have players, we can, we can you know, have partners, other people can participate by having Q2 tokens and, and the and the, the, you know, the people that support the, the growth of it. And then we can clearly have utility tokens uh, that, that can be uh, used. And um, I mean, George can talk a little bit, but he had a really good insight to help get us to that, um, to that model. And so I was talking about how other, um, you know, previous effort, earlier efforts to create single currency for games work. Oh, yeah. So the issue with the, the other cryptocurrency universal game tokens is that uh, the fact is that if you have an, a, a token that has a use case, for instance, using a game, but then people are hodling it because they want that because they want the price to go up, then you're not using it for games, which then diminishes the value because the whole point is to use it for games. People are also investing in it, so if they're not using it, then what's the value of the token? That's a that's a good point. So essentially, by separating the utility token from the security token, you could have people speculate on the rise of the quarters ecosystem and have that completely separate from the actual flow of uh, the quarters token itself. So it, that kind of explains why you created this dual token system. One that represents Q2 represents the security. Um, Q quarters represents the actual in-game token. Um, I'm assuming that this also played a important role in helping get this SEC ruling as well. Um, having a very clear delineation of what has been used for fundraising and what is going to be used exclusively for utility, I think definitely strengthened your case as well. 
Um, so one of the points that you've made in this uh, letter as well to the SEC is that your platform has already been completely built. Um, is this correct? Well, uh, well, no, no, that's not quite correct. What's correct is that they, that they um, caveated the letter saying that the facts and circumstances, the no action only applies if we launch it fully. And so what they, what they're, what they're, I, I think this is something in the future will be revisited by other companies. Um, there's a, one of the gray areas is if you do crowdfunding and then they have the, the, um, the, the head of the commission gave a speech where he talked about a uh, Broadway musical. If I sell tickets, pre-sell tickets to a Broadway musical in order to then hire the director and, and the, and, and, the, and to build it out and to market it. And the purpose that, that, that the SEC deems is that these tickets are speculative, that people are paying $10 and they think they're going to go up to 250 when the show gets produced, that they say that the Broadway ticket in that specific instance could be deemed uh, a security offering. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you know, the, the industry is like groaning because they're like, what is more of a consumer product than a ticket, right? right. And, what, you know, there are you know, plenty of video games that have gone on Kickstarter and, you know, pre-sold, you know, copies of the game before the game was made, right? So this is a gray area. In our particular case, we just, uh, we, that's not the fight we want to make. So we're, you know, what we, what we said is, here is the quality of the network that we plan to do. And they said, if it's this or better, then, you know, we, we, won't, we won't argue about whether that's a fully formed network or not. That, that, that this is the minimum, this is the minimum that we agreed to. Interesting. Yeah. And um, the, so did they actually review how much of your platform has already been built? No, they asked us to specify. Um, we just we negotiated with them for what we, you know, we, we picked a, we picked an amount which they agreed to that we thought was feasible. That And so what we said was 30 games, including the major titles that we're supporting on Scrim to Win. Uh, and what's great about the Scrim to Win tool mm -hmm. is that it's very flexible. So we can add games. You know, effectively any game could be added. So um, I, I think that you know another way to think about this, from like a you know just from a common sense perspective, is that you're allowed to sell V Bucks as a consumer product in just one game, Fortnite. So why would you, you know, if you can sell for one game, then wh why shouldn't they be allowed to launch a second game where you could bring your V Bucks to? Like, why would you need to have 30 games? You know, why 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 can V Bucks do it with one? We would need to have 30 for the same product. You know, just because you know the money is being handled on the blockchain. Um, so anyway, we we're, we're going to have about a dozen uh, uh, unique titles, you know, from us and from our partners that we're launching on mobile, and then we'll have about 20 or 30 um, of these um, popular games like Fortnite, Minecraft, um, and others that will be you know that you'll be able to play with Scream to Win. Interesting. So they're already they're already on. Like I lo I love this idea. I just want to tell you that, like, like uh, I really want whenever they make the next iteration of Counter Strike, I want to be able to take all my skins, convert them into quarters, and then transfer them forward to the, ne the next game. Like I don't want my skins to be stuck in that game. Um, so like I, I definitely see the use case. Um, I just don't yeah. want like. So I guess I guess so two things, right? You've got Valve who made the game. Right. And then you have uh, Gabe Newell, right, running Steam Marketplace, getting 15% of every skin transaction. So, like, 
they're not only undercutting you on the purchase of the skin original uh, originally they control the rarity of the item the game developers that is they and and by controlling the rarity of the item they control the value of the item in terms of what the players you know are gravitating toward and then they also control um the marketplace the exchange in which those skins you know are traded and so they're they're kind of like sapping value from players at every step of players just wanting to you know purchase in-game stuff i just hope that this isn't going to add another layer to digital skins in video games being treated as taxable commodities by the u.s government well there's gonna be no tax for gamers well the, in exchange for having no way to make money you will not pay taxes this is this is just a pure um uh, uh a pure um pure purchase right because the fact that once you go into the quarter sector system you can never get your money out so even if you can ladder up and go from a thousand quarters to a hundred thousand quarters you can never pay a financial game because a, a thousand times zero is equal to a hundred thousand times zero um so that's you know that's the you know that, that's the key thing from a tax perspective um you also mentioned some stuff from um from from a um from the developer's perspective from the developer's perspective, um, you know, uh, the, there's, the, the, there's fewer, the, the only time that there's uh, a payment wall hit is when people buy the quarters on the front end. So, you know, if you win and get items and then exchange them back out again, you, um, you, uh, you know, you, then, then the, 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 you know, the quarters that are swishing around the ecosystem are not, are not getting additional friction. They, they flow, they, they flow freely. So does this mean that any game in which you can trade items uh, wouldn't be allowed in the quarters ecosystem? Right. No, any game, that's not quite true. Any game where people could cash out items would not be allowed. So long as they just stay virtual, that's fine. Okay. So like, how are you guys going to include CSGO or like any games on Steam that, that have this way of cashing out? Um... Well, um, we'll have to, we're gonna have to cross we're gonna have to cross, cross that bridge, I suppose, when we when we get when we when we get there. The the two things that we want to do with Steam to start off with one is you know we're accepted by Apple and Google. We'd like to be able to be up by quarters, you know, uh, on on Steam. You know that would be, and then the and then so that that, that would be the first thing. And then the second thing is we'd like uh, games to be able to be able to buy things uh, with quarters. That would be the second, you know, the third thing that we want, and then the fourth thing that we want would then be able to have people exchange items for uh, for quarters. So it's a little, we're, we're we're a little bit away from that, um, you know, from that last from that last part. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm realizing in hearing this development roadmap that there's actually a large amount of developer integration that they have to be uh, fully integrated into the quarters ecosystem. So I'm hearing that game developers will need to um, allow for items to be directly purchased with quarters. So you can't just go from quarters to in-game currency then to items. Correct. Yeah, so the typical flow in a game is, you know, you use dollars to buy V-Bucks and then you use V-Bucks to buy skins. It's the same with quarters. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same with quarters. It, our SDK for developers 
effectively, uh, you know, like in the app store, you know, instead of buying Clash of Clan gems, it, we have an, you know, an experience you buy quarters and then you can redeem quarters. And so the, it, it's, it, it, it all, it's almost a one-to-one mapping until like what the I, the IAP, the, you know, the in-app purchase uh, SDK looks like. Super easy to switch, you know, to swap your, your gems out for, for quarters. The same thing would happen, you know, in Steam games for the ones that have premium currency. You know, the cash market, you know, where you just directly pay five bucks to buy a vocal sword is very small. You know, there's a bit in Asia that's not the, you know, almost all games have this two flow model where you buy a premium currency and then you buy the items. For the cash market, that's, that's, not, that's not our focus at the moment. Okay. So um, to clarify, you would use quarters to buy in-game currency. That in-game currency is then used to buy items. No, no, no. no. Well, well, that's possible. Okay. Some, some games do have multiple premium currencies. We okay. could be an alternative. You know, so I'm at, you're right. Fortnite would be a good example. You know, probably they wouldn't give up V-Bucks, but they might you know, have a side-by-side thing, use your quarters or your V-Bucks. Um, you know, but the Holy Grail and what most of the new games are doing is they just they, they, they completely replace they, they don't have gems anymore or V-Bucks. They just, you just have quarters. Cool. So it seems like there also opens up the ability to arbitrage between games. And I understand that there is a way to do this by essentially uh, creating penalties in um, exiting. So you lose like a percentage of the relative worth when you transfer from one game to another. Um, to kind of avoid this but theoretically you could grind away right like a gold farmer in a uh, game in which you earn a disproportionately large amount of quarters for the amount of time you spent in the game and then you can use it to essentially cash in on a different game right so is there the possibility of like essentially arbitraging in between games i mean i know there's no profit motive so arbitrage is the wrong word but um it would be kind of interesting if to see if you've thought about how um, the interaction between moving between different games would change it yeah we've talked to, uh, we've actually talked to uh, a lot of people on our team and a lot of people in general who have thought about a similar idea you like one game a lot, but you know you, you don't want to have to keep buying in that game. You can go to another game that you're better at, which is the fun. And it's pretty much like you don't always play one game, right? Like people could bring their quarters around and play different games and have their quarters moving between games fairly fluidly. Um, yeah, we would. That's a, that we absolutely think that's going to happen. From a player's perspective, it's great. Um, I think that you're hinting a little bit at the developer. Uh, issue the developers have to manage their own economies and so if you have a slots game and it's a loose slots game where it's easier to win you have you have a, a positive chance of winning quarters that means that you're going to have to fund those quarters and you know because the quarters are not you know they, they they're their prepaid game they, they have to you know they have financial value to developers maybe they have a, an ad model or they're sponsored or there's you know there's something else going on so, you know, um, or the, you know, I think the majority of the games is what George was hinting at are going to be games where there's, you know, there's competition between players and you can win money because I'm losing money there, you know, and then the, you know, the developer will you know, take 10% of, you know, all the money that's being transferred or something like that. So yeah, but, but, but I mean, generally that is, that's a huge value. We see the ability to, to, to go dip in and out of lots of games and have the same quarters, some that you win, some that you use 
you know, across a whole galaxy of games. Interesting. And you mentioned that you could essentially bet quarters um, in a way that essentially you can set up a competitive game between two people and put a certain number of quarters on the line regarding who would win. And this isn't considered gambling because it's one way. You could never actually cash out the earnings even if you do win quarters. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. So slots is like one of the top uh, games in the app store. It's simulated gambling. And the traditional slots game, you buy uh, tokens. You, if you win, all you can do is gamble more tokens, right? And, and if you lose all your tokens, you got to buy them. Now, for the first time, if you win, you can actually go and buy an in-game item somewhere else. It's like so much better. Uh, so yeah, it works just so it's, it, it's exactly as you said. Simulated gambling because it's one way. You know, financial value is 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 legal in basically every jurisdiction. One of uh, the things that I've been hearing a lot is that games currently are walled gardens. They have full control over their local microeconomy, and they directly accept payments from players. What incentive is um, does a gaming developer have to integrate quarters into their ecosystem? Well, as I said, we're not focused on the direct cash market. Um, I think most of the most fun games have the premium premium currency. Um, the general incentive for developers is that they um, uh, they can tap a community of people who have already bought tokens. The two biggest problems for uh, video game companies are getting players and then convincing players to spend money in their games. And we we solve that problem. We just say they were already in the arcade and they're ready, they're looking to to use quarters now make something fun. So that's the proposition to developers. And is there um, like some ROI incentive to kind of adding to it? Is there is there interest from your discussions in adding a different uh, form of payment streams? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, 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 you know, the, the characterization I'd say of the video game industry, I'm, this is, you know, I'm new to the video game industry. I just didn't realize there's, literally tens of billions of dollars of shelved IP. Video games have been fully developed that were either launched or not launched, and they basically didn't make much money, and now they don't know what to do with it. And Fortnite, for example, was a failed game that they just added the different matchmaking and relaunched it. And so there's so many awesome games that are out there that are just looking to figure out, how can I get players who will spend money in my game? And so we've seen huge amount of demand for, you know, for, for, for alternative publishing platforms like Quarters. Mm. So you're thinking that it's like an extension to freemium, because technically in a bunch of games, if you could cash out your uh, your V-Bucks, so to say, um, from one game, you could bring it to a different game, right? And it's already a sunk cost from the player's point of view, so they're willing to try another game uh, with existing Quarters, for example. Is that kind of the incentive? Is it to like resurrect yep. Yep, other? Yep. Okay. That's absolutely right. It's better than freemium, right? So freemium was great in the beginning, gave away, you know, branded games for free that you could play a lot before they put a paywall, right? In the beginning, and then now it's become table stakes. And this is a little bit like Zappos, like, you know, what's better than like free shipping is like free returns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of like what quarters are. It's like, it's like, well, you know, Gamers are demanding more. It's like we don't just want the game for free. 
if we're going to get something cool or buy something, we want to be able to take it with us somewhere else. Yeah, that's actually a really good, um, a really good selling point as well. And it, it would be interesting if it actually changes the way people um, pick up and start playing games as well. Right. What if people start choosing games uh, based on its uh, ability to essentially earn in-game currency that they could use somewhere else? Um, it's going to be yeah. like me playing skee-ball at Chuck E. Cheese to win the tickets to get to a prize that costs like 200,000 tickets because I'm good at skee-ball. Yeah, and all this... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that makes me want to be a ski ball operator now. <laughs> well, you know, one of the one of the uh, groups we're talking to, which you know, it's even better than the ski ball, is the you know the the little claw hand that you get a prize. And so there's a that thing's a scam. Uh, it is a scam, but there's that a claw. A scam. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a claw hand. And it's a virtual claw hand. You control it on your mobile phone. And if you pick out the thing, you know, the Amazon gift card or whatever, they mail it to you. (laughs) That's a scam. No, it's not a scam. It's a real claw claw game. My point about being a scam is that, like, if you want the $100 Amazon card, you better just go buy it because it will cost you $500 in claw attempts to get it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but, but you know, I'm not, I don't understand the fun. For some people, that might be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. It, I, the whole idea this is, behind... This is definitely like a completely new model, I think, Lucian, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, the, the, you can essentially tell that it's a new model because of the approach that it has taken for SEC approval as well. Um, there are a number of uh, blockchain game projects, and I'm sure you're more familiar with them than I am, um, that will never get this type of SEC approval because it is structured so that the in-game currency can directly correlate to monetary accumulation and cash value. Um, and that's so much fun, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, especially when... So for my, I bought my cousin a birthday present and I basically gave him like $50 in Ethereum and he went and bought a crypto kitty, which is great. (laughs) I'm, I'm really glad he was able to like get onboarded to the full Ethereum ecosystem without any guidance. Like he already had MetaMask. He was just basically waiting for the ether so that he could play the game. Um, He bought the crypto kitty and he's like, okay, cool. Now what? And like, oh, that's it. Like, do you want to trade it? Do you want to try like waiting until it accumulates value? Like (laughs) if uh, they could play simulated stock markets if they really wanted to um, with the exact same effect. But the idea that you essentially um, create the game itself as a utility to the token, um, it's definitely an interesting and new way. Um, Jesse, do you want to describe some of the other mechanisms that uh, game currencies have taken to establish economies? Because I know you're familiar with this uh, subject matter. Just basically to highlight the differences between something like Decentraland or the Loom Network uh, to what's being done here. I mean, you wanted me to draw some parallels? Uh, Some parallels or some contrasts. Hmm. So Decentraland is... is I would I would argue that this is just completely novel in its approach. Like this is this is different than Decentraland. Decentraland auctions, you know, pieces of land for people to develop. This is that's not what this is. 
Um, Loom is educational. Uh, it's an educational token exchange for your time spent learning things. Um, so like this, this is just this is games. This is this is like like they were saying. It's it's a it's a token, a universal token to to play a whole bunch of different games with. My my only concern is just I wouldn't like I I want your project to succeed, guys, and I I wouldn't associate myself with games whose economies are closely tied with real world trading. For example, uh, Venezuelan gold farmers in RuneScape, uh, Russian bot farmers in Counter Strike, which I've seen people virtual boxing hundreds of accounts AFKing for skins, just trawling. Uh, I would, I would, I would stay away from those games, and I would definitely market myself more of the Fortnite, uh, like a like a publishing platform for Fortnite type games, because you know those. The only way that you can transfer value is by selling the whole Fortnite account. And which you know which, the way, yeah, yeah, the way you describe that, I think is absolutely perfect. It's like if the game is fun for bots, screw that. That's not fun for people. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. We, we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that publicity, and you don't want that for the people using your platform. Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. we're 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 one hundred percent with you on 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 that one. We want to make fun games fun again for players agree yeah and and blockchain games uh they've really focused on the custody of digital assets as kind of um, a sticking point Uh, for example the loom token as well as like having the point system for learning how to program solidity which is awesome like if you've ever done uh, crypto zombies it's like an educational program that um, ends up paying out some loom tokens they also have a platform with which to um, trade the digital uh, ownership of the cards because it's a hearthstone style game so the cards that you get to make your deck to play the game um, of crypto zombies you essentially like have possession of them and you could trade them as if they were crypto kitties as well um, but again, this basically makes it impossible to eliminate the speculative second market because if you have uh, custom up like possession of those games, then you can trade them for money. For example, the same way you could trade um, the individual items in uh, Counter Strike, for example, um, and they created this kind of black market underneath it same thing with the in-game items um it's a this is definitely a different approach than a lot of the other blockchain games that i've seen and essentially it's based around the uh representation of the digital value generated from actually having fun and playing the game um yeah this is this is interesting so uh what are the next steps in... Uh, before we move on there, I just wanted to mention one other issue with blockchain games um, that hasn't been mentioned. So currently, all the almost all, all that I've seen of the blockchain games it is pretty hard for a regular 12, 13-year-old kid to get on and buy. What we've done with quarters is we've made it as easy to buy as a regular in-game currency uh, as Fortnite or one of those other games, which I think is the most important Thing when you're comparing us to other blockchain companies is the fact that nearly anyone can use our coin which makes it so much easier to to get players because they don't have to go with watching a 30 minute youtube tutorial and then getting an account and doing all this stuff just to figure out how to actually 
get the coin of Ethereum or because someone who's not into the crypto space wouldn't know how to do this. And for a regular player, they don't even have to know it's cryptocurrency necessarily to use our product. Yeah, you can buy it in the App Store, just a couple of taps. And there's no other cryptocurrency that you can buy in the App Store because all of them have speculative and financial value, and so you can't sell them for a 30% discount. And, and then they're hard to buy. And then and the app, they're against the terms of service for the App Store. So, you know, the legal... Uh, SEC opens up the ability when we now when we have a partnership we, we have games accepted by Apple and Google and we've gone through the process to uh, explain how it works and why it fits their model above and beyond the legality of it and they've they've accepted it and I think that you know as George points out from a practical perspective from driving adoption you're not a video game company if you can't buy your currency in the app stores. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and not to mention, you can't actually buy cryptocurrencies with credit cards anymore um, due to a change in regulation, except it seems like you are uh, one of the first companies that I've heard of to actually break through that rule change um, that greatly affected cryptocurrencies at the end of 2017. Um, the fact that you can essentially get issued a cryptocurrency um, just by a credit card payment processed by an app store makes onboarding uh, way easier for sure. Yeah. Let me make a, let me make a, a point about language. We're, it, it's just a strange thing that before cryptocurrencies existed, virtual currencies were what people called premium game tokens. And the reason why that's important is that like, like we're not a cryptocurrency the way Bitcoin is. Uh, we're a premium game token on the blockchain. You know, it's an escrow where money is, and that, that, that it's just, you know, and then you have tokens, which you then, then developers can exchange and get the money out of it. That's a very different model than, you know, all of the other things that are, quote, unquote, cryptocurrencies, where the thing itself has no value, but people speculate on it having, having, having value. And, and so the language ties to the reason that we are different from, you know, uh, other, you know, uh, uh, other similar products. You know that are on the blockchain that are truly cryptocurrencies yeah that also um, follows from the fact that your token is erc20 um, because of its interface but at the same time it's not an erc20 that you could exchange in a decentralized exchange um, because of yeah. how the internals of it work um, so yeah it's there are definitely some differences that um that you've made very clear in order to basically separate the uh, different tokens that you have and kind of have a different use case for one of them and a different use case for another one of them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if other projects um, kind of learn from this example in order to essentially increase the usability and accessibility uh, to tokens that are actually utility tokens. Um, and yeah, it's definitely an example that I think a lot of uh, other crypto companies are going to learn. Um, and yeah, it's interesting how you guys have pioneered this and pushed this. Um, do you do you want to talk more about uh, what's next? For well, Pocket I just want to just tell two things about that last point you made. Sure. First of all, uh, it's actually critical to why we got the no action letter. The SEC are cops and they normally say have your party and if you do something illegal we'll break it up only when they want to establish new models for the ways people have parties you know 
hire the cops to drive the cars and, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, will they issue a no action letter as a signal to the whole industry? This is one way you can create a legal business. So you're, you're, you're totally spot on, but it's also, you know, we're very excited about it because it's a unique thing. It's a time and moment. Like they're not going to give dimes a no action letter because they just say you can, if it's similar to quarters, they just say, go about your business. It'll be legal so long as you, you, you comply, but we get the advantage of being able to, you know, say, you know, we pioneered it. We're, you know, ours is legal. They've specifically commented on ours. That's a once in a generation kind of opportunity. Um, so, um, uh, and, 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 and you're right about all the reasons why, why, why it is, but now what's next? Uh, yeah, so we're planning, as my dad said, to uh, get some mobile games and launch our Scrum to Win, which is the esports platform using current popular games. So you can do casual um, things with your friends. In addition, um, we're, we're talking to some influencers um, like YouTubers, streamers, people like that to um, run some test uh, uh, things at Scrum to Win so they can interact with their players and have. Um, whole tournaments for prizes, which will help us get users. Um, and yeah, we're going to do some uh, uh, fundraising. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, no, no, we're going to talk about that. But um, yeah, on the, on the on the streamer stuff, the um, we've acquired a network called Rise Nine, which is a, a way that influencers meet other influencers to do collaborations. And uh, if those influencers reach 700 million people, and we're we're taking a subset from that and creating a community around quarters. And so, in preparation for the launch, we're you know we're working with our uh, video game publishing partners to get their games on the platform, and then to educate and and bring the influencers on the platform. You know, from a business perspective, we're a marketplace of getting our players and streamers to meet games. And, and so the, the, you know, a, a novel approach from a business perspective is, is recognizing that the thing that is one of the most fun for players is to, to engage and uh, with, with the, with the influencers and to be able to do lots of new things with their influencers. And now the influencers will, they'll, they'll be able to do that. And it gives a new a business model for, for influencers, which is basically, um, host tournaments and make money from engaging your audience in, in your tournaments. Yeah. So you've already acquired Rise 9 um, and you've yeah. already started implementing the uh, influencer marketing strategy and the promotion strategy using your uh, currency. Yeah. So we got to get that all lined up so we can do, you know, we can at the launch, we can, you know, have, you know, uh, a large number of players aware and using our system and a large number of games, you know, up and up and running because that's the requirement. So that that'll happen this fall. Nice. Uh, this is uh, this is all really impressive developments. Um, and it seems like you've thought of through a lot of different mechanisms to actually get a large number of people using the system. Um, I also wanted to talk a bit about the technology itself. Um, so you have built an ERC-20 token. Um, are you trading the token itself on Ethereum mainnet? They're exchanged on the mainnet, but I wouldn't call it trading um, because of the restrictions. So they're, but, 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 and, right, and right now they're not on the mainnet. But again, that's part of the SEC um, requirement. Our tech stack 
uh, we have, you know, we're, 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 we're using Covan right now for testing, but for scalability, we're using Matic Network as a side chain. So um, it's really cool. We, the only main net transactions that need to happen are when there's financial value being exchanged. So acquisition of quarters or developers exchanging quarters for money. The, uh, the typical transaction, though, are players playing games. Uh, and or, or players getting rewarded for playing games. All of that happens on the Matic side chain. Um, so that's that's something that we're very very excited about because that's that's part of you know the plan for making it work for 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 tens of millions of people. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Matic um, website right now, and they have a bunch of advisors from Decentraland. <laughs> so it would be yeah. actually. I I think they are um they're also partnered with MakerDAO. Um yeah, it's interesting. I haven't heard of this specific sidechain, but I'll uh I'll definitely be doing my research to look through it. Yeah, they did an IEO on, on Binance. Um I met them before they started. Actually the founder of that company uh helped develop our first versions of our um Contracts. I hired him as a as a security expert to do an audit, um, and he was telling me about Matic. And then we've worked very closely with them. You know, the side chain has been developed specifically with our use case um, in mind. And he also consults on the, or he's a part of the Plasma team. He's on the Plasma call. So that, I think that from a side chain perspective, the the um, imp, the Plasma implementation is the, the two, well. There's two parts: Plasma implementation, and then having it designed for the particular use case and, and Matic is a perfect fit for us. Nice. Yeah. The, the loom network also is building off of a plasma side chain as well to essentially allow for their, um, their, uh, internal item distribution as well. Yeah. I think the, yeah, it's a, a UTXO, example, it's a UTXO based plasma side chain, correct? Right. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the difference is that, um, loom is designed, you know, for the NFT um, non-fungible token use case, mm-hmm. and that's not applicable to us. Secondarily, um, you know, the Plasma is a standard, and there's no uh, canonical implementation. And so, I think Loom is really good, but I know that Matic is good. So, they, it's, they're both, they, you know, they both you know, check that box, but doubles the details, right? And so. Right. Um, you know, we we work closely, you know, and understand the Matic implementation. So I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying anything bad about Loom. I just don't, I, you know, that's, I think that's for anyone who's considering a side chain, I think those are the two things that you need to think about. Yeah, it's um, awesome that you've thought this far through. And I'm actually just surprised on how, like, fast um, this has progressed, mainly because uh, we met in New York, and it wasn't that long ago, <laughs> but a lot of these developments seem really new, and it seems like you've been making a lot of progress. When uh, did you complete the Republic um, raise originally? Yeah, the Republic ended on December 31st last year. Um, yeah. So basically, this all of these developments have happened within the last year. Yeah, a little less, a little over uh, half of a year, and it's actually well. Well, that's not quite true. So 
we did things kind of backwards from the industry. So, I, you know, I'm a uh, computer scientist by training uh, at Princeton. And uh, so George and I, first we coded the smart contracts and then, you know, as like a, like a, like a side project, a learning project. And then I hired the guy, Janty, who's the head of Matic, as a consultant to build the SDK to integrate into games. And then all of a sudden George went viral and when we went to a meetup to talk about it, and then investors and influencers and gaming industry folks reached out to us because they wanted to participate, then we fundraised. So we had actually made a fair amount of progress before we even raised any money. Um, so, um, you know, the stuff that, that, that's new, the scrim to win, you know, that came out of George and um, Michelle's sort of, and, and then Tim, you know, who, who was one of the gaming uh, execs that reached out to us. It was kind of a collaboration as a really, as a great application for, for quarters. Um, you know, that's, that's new. Um, but the core tech and, and the legal sort of, the ultimate legal strategy was put in place really early on. Um, so, you know, it's developed. The SEC is new. You know, they're, they're, we're seeing the fruits, but it's a little bit like what, Jeff Bezos says, I'm not, I'm not, not surprised about this quarter because, you know, we planned it five years ago. So the fruits of what we did five years ago, it's a little bit like that right now. We, we did a lot of work for a long time. It's just we're unveiling it now. Awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of news actually coming out. Um, basically, I haven't seen any blockchain games that are essentially ready to start selling on an app store yet <laughs> there are some games that have like live demo games that are just starting to roll out um and yeah it's it's just interesting basically to draw the comparison with the blockchain games that i've been seeing coming out of the ecosystem um with essentially the approach that you've taken in uh developing a gaming token type ecosystem um yeah it's it's a lot It'll be interesting to see what Apple does, right? Because they've allowed wallets to exist in the App Store. Now, when they start to realize that people are buying CryptoKitties off-platform and then using them in games, and they're not able to buy them in the App Store, then they're going to be—they're going to have to make a decision. That right now, my interpretation is that's a hard violation of their policies. Their their policy is you—you you can sell things off-platform, but you have to sell it for the same price on and off. And there's going to be there's going to ha there's going to be a collision there because they're not going to give up their their 30 percent. We think that the right move from business perspective is to align ourselves with Apple, not not fight them because you can't be on an iPhone if you're fighting the App Store. Yeah, um, it's. I'm not sure. It, uh, I don't want to really go into a completely different subject matter, but they are currently facing antitrust. Uh, lawsuits regarding their app store procedures but it seems unlikely to be resolved within the near future and i definitely wouldn't build a business around the assumption that the app store monopoly is essentially going to be confronted in any successful way um, so it's interesting and it's definitely um, a relief to kind of hear a regulatory compliant um blockchain business project and especially to hear how far and advanced that you've gotten um i'm excited to hear what games are coming to the platform um are you ready to announce any integrations yet or not yet 
No, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not yet ready. We we, uh, we, we can say that we've got three partners that have over 100 games each, and we're putting together a mix. Uh, but I will say one thing. I'll, I'll tease one thing, which is multiplayer mobile is awesome. It's ready for prime time, and the developers' problem is that they can't market to groups of people because Facebook and the App Store are one-to-one marketing. And we're super excited that you know people will play in Fortnite tournaments at home, but when they're in the back of the bus, they'll be able to play a whole host of new multiplayer mobile games with their friends uh, because they'll, they'll know that not only can they bring their quarters from their tournaments, but they can also... Um, you know, that their friends already have quarters. Nice. This is awesome. And it's exciting. Um, thanks a lot for your work. And um, is there anything that you would have liked us to ask that we haven't gotten to? You guys have asked great questions. I'm, I'm, I think we've, uh, I think, I think we've covered, you know, all the aspects. I just, I'll just reiterate one point is like, you know, this is like a crypto crypto thing, but maybe this is part of like a trend is like, we're like a video game company that's using crypto um, as a, as, as a solution. And so I want to, I guess maybe this is the question, uh, you know, it's why blockchain. So a lot of people say, because, and a lot of the, uh, game companies are, are like really pro decentralization. We're kind of like neither pro nor against decentralization. In fact, a lot of what we've done to get regulatory compliance is centralized. You know, we're approving developers, you know, ourselves. That's part of the compliance mechanism. But we're using the blockchain for this programmatic escrow. And it's an application to solve pl- the, uh, a problem in the video game industry, both for players and developers. And and that's the thing that I want to, you know, sort of reiterate. And hopefully that's, that's part of a, you know, that's part of the trend. Yeah, it, it seems like you're basically using... Um the advantages that are inherent in ethereum but at the same time you're using a side chain so you're basically not faced with any scalability issues you um, have an onboarding process when you need to um, yet at the same time you maintain the uh, provably fair architecture that comes as a result of ethereum so not only do game developers and everyone else um, implicitly have more um, trust in the architecture that comes out, but it also um, makes sense essentially to build off of the existing infrastructure that Ethereum has uh, provided for you in order to get basically the advantages while still maintaining um, the compliance necessary to get the approval that you did. Exactly. Well, thanks for ha- having us. This, is, this has been a great conversation. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Great. It was yeah, nice talking you to you. And we look forward to uh, playing some of your games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you can sign up to be a part of the waitlist at poq.gg or pocketfullofquarters.com. Uh, so everyone that's, that, that's, that, that's interested and that also links to our Discord and Telegram communities, uh, we welcome everybody to, to join us. Great. We'll make sure to include them in the show notes. Thank you for your time, and thanks for joining us. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.